0: Happy Valentine's Day, horror fans. Anchor Pete here. And as you can see, we have our friends from Ghost Girl Greetings today. We have Lori and Tony. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. You guys probably remember them from our horror uh, holiday horror show. Tonight we're talking about another (laughs) holiday. We're getting ready for Valentine's Day. So Danny up there in the corner, Dr. Zayas G-O-D, and Chris Uh, future boy, Chris, we are going to join in tonight and talk about relationships in horror movies. So tonight's episode is love and horror. We have a really (laughs) random collection of movies tonight. I'm real excited about everyone's And, uh, there's even (laughs) one of them that I've never even heard of before. Chris has a classic movie, a Cronenberg film. Chris, you want to tell us about the fly?
1: Yeah, this is uh, uh, David Cronenberg's remake slash new adaptation of The Fly. The Fly was a short story published in Playboy in 1957, and then they made a movie a year later in 1958. And years later, Cronenberg comes in. It's his first big American studio film. He remakes it, and it's up there with The Blob and The Thing as not just one of the best horror remakes of all time, but also one, depending upon your opinion, that may surpass... The original, I know we have a big Blob fan in the house, so uh, I don't know what her opinion is on that, but I haven't seen The Fly in a while. I wanted to re-watch it. It's it's been, like I said, it's been quite a while. And uh, I remember the relationship between uh, Jeff Wolf and Gina Davis having a very interesting relationship in this, uh, their characters, and... I wasn't wrong revisiting this. They absolutely do. So uh, Goldblum's character, Seth Brundle, and Davis's character, uh, Veronica uh, Quafe. There's probably a third pronunciation with the way it's spelled. I'm not even going to go there. You know, so we'll just, in there. We're not, not going to mention her last name again. So they call her Ronnie anyway. So Seth and Ronnie, basically, they fall in love very fast. Uh, Seth is an inventor and a scientist. He builds a teleportation machine, and she's a... Scientific journalist who's basically documenting this, and they spend a lot of time together and they fall in love. And they, at the risk of sounding corny, kind of live a lifetime's worth of love in, in a very short amount of time. What happens is, um, uh, Seth decides to put himself through the teleportion, uh, teleportation machine, and uh, there's well, you know, the story there's a house fly in there, and he winds up uh, melding with the fly, and, and he's turning into a fly. And it's attacking him like a cancer. So you get this allegory, this this take on kind of this relationship, this loving bond, and one person has to be there for the other person while they're going through this. And he's fighting her every step of the way. This this thing is taking over, and this, this disease is consuming him. And he's just fighting her. And she just, you know, she's worried about her own mortality, but she's so in love with him that she's essentially just trying to hold his hand through this entire thing. And really in the end, it's this, you know, you get this version of, you know, quote unquote, pulling the plug, uh, which is her essentially uh, plugging him with a shotgun in the head. Uh, But he's not even human by this point, but it's just, it's, 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 it speaks volumes to what Cronenberg, what was, what he was able to do here not only is this an excellent 1980s body horror film with just just wildly imaginative, but he really sells the love story in there too. And the bond and what being in love, sharing your life with someone is like, you know, the good, the bad, everything. And in 95 minutes, 95 minutes manages to really pull off something special aside from just some of the most gruesome shit you'll ever see in a horror film and there's an incredible scene at the end of the film where he's now like molted what's left of his human form and he just with like a with like a claw like an insect claw just picks up the barrel of the shotgun and puts it to his head and Gina Davis is so good in this she sells the shit out of this it could be I listen. I'm sure there were people laughing in the theater when this came out, but I'm sitting here after not having seen it in at least a decade, and she absolutely just sells this moment of like, "Oh my God, you got to be kidding me! You're gonna make me do this. You're gonna make me put a bullet in your head." And and it really, it's it again. If there were anyone else, it could have come off silly, but she's I you know I I don't like. It's not up to me whether to say she's underrated as an actress or not. I mean, she's really not. She has not you know. Aside from the Exorcist TV series, hasn't really acted in a lot of things recently. But this is absolutely, upon revisiting it, I think one of her best roles.
2: The, the love story in this really, uh, it really hit me when I rewatched it because I all I remembered it because I had I hadn't seen it for like twenty years. All I remembered was the wrist break scene in the arm wrestling and the the vomit hands, as I called them. <laughs> uh, that's all yeah. I really remembered and like watching it as an adult, it really does hit you in a different way. Uh,
0: Tony, I uh, I know that you picked House on Haunted Hill, right? I did. And so the thing is with House on Haunted Hill, I've only seen the remake. And when you said that, I was like, oh, is, he, is this like about Famke Jansen and-
3: uh... I'm gonna faint. <laughs> right. oh.
0: yeah, yeah, so so like, you gotta tell me what what's the love aspect in this movie? I wanna know about it. All right,
3: so, I was really trying, I'm very bad at picking one thing. Lori knows this really well um, because I love a lot of stuff and I had a really hard time narrowing down what kind of like love I wanted to cover like in this. So um, I had spewed out some t- choices and Dan actually was the one who was like, you got to do House on Haunted Hill. Cause it's like different and fun. It's Vincent Price and Carol Omhart. Like they, um, they have probably the best uh representation of a bad marriage in a movie like from the 50s where the banter is pure gold. There's no like you can tell that the relationship is poison within the first 20 seconds of meeting these characters. And so you know you're kind of in for a ride. And it's kind of like, well, what? Situation is going to happen here because we already know this relationship is broken so Vincent price being this millionaire, um, they say that uh, he's had you know four wives before Uh, he's married to her um, and they've all they've all died before. Um, But now, as you start getting introduced more to the character of Annabelle um, that's, uh, Vincent Price's wife in the film, you can see that there is more to this party than meets the eye. Um, so you have to look at a poisonous married relationship where someone is obviously in it for the money. It's like an ID special, you know, it's like, you're yeah, it's like a yeah. special <laughs> waiting to happen. No. And so the, the plot kind of takes a little bit of a you, you know something is about to happen when uh, Annabelle finally decides to make a grand entrance into the party. And the, the first moment that makes you kind of laugh is watching the poison of Vincent Price introducing her to everybody. This is my wife. And she comes in in this beautiful gown and he puts her his hand on her shoulder and she shrugs it off, <laughs> like makes a face. And you're like, well, shit, because you have to wonder um, when the poison is there like this, is it something where Vincent Price, a character, Vincent Price's character who's been married so many times, is he really like hoping for the love? Does he understand that this person had only from the beginning wanted his money and the banter that kind of goes back and forth with them prior um they joke about the fact that one time she tried to poison him so he obviously knows at this point now their marriage is broken but it seems to me his character is in a way a little sad because he's really still trying to do something like she wanted to have this party he made it happen. And so it's like, you have to wonder if he's, it's his weird last ditch effort. It's a very complicated relationship. You start to see that Annabelle's character is a lot more devious than she's laying into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to spoil this movie because it's from 1959, sorry, Pete. So if you haven't no. seen it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> so <laughs> Annabelle um, really, is in cahoots with another guy at the party, a doctor, and she's having a secret affair with him. And so she's acting like she loves this doctor and uh, they're gonna plot to drive Nora to kill Vincent Price's character so that they can take all of his money. Um, And so it's kind of like a weird, sad thing because it's like you watch the bickering and it's it's gold, (laughs) but it's like, you have to think, you know, does he kind of know this going into the party that they're really up to something, right? He's a smart man, but he's still kind of playing into the game. And so um, they go as far as um, she pretends to commit suicide. Uh, she actually hangs herself in the film. It's like a super iconic moment in the movie. Um, and, um, and so she, you know, he's like now that she's dead, Vincent Price's character is taking a step back and going, wow, like, I can't believe it. You were so cold and greedy, but like, he's obviously filled with emotions and you can tell that he, at, at one time, at least he did care about her and really wanted this marriage to work. And so now, you know, that, uh, you, you believe her character is dead, um, and, you know, a little bit later find out she's not. And her, her ghost is torturing this poor girl, Nora, in order to scare her into killing Mr. Lauren. I think you have to experience love and heartbreak in order to hate someone enough to want to do the ultimate you know, the ultimate sin, in other words, to kill to kill someone. Mm-hmm. And it's like you see it every day. You hear stories every day where it's like the husband betrayed the wife and the wife lost her mind. And you know, yeah. and so um Vincent Price knew what was going on. He knew that she was having an affair, and he knew what they were trying to set up, but he wanted it to play out because he wanted to see what they were gonna try to do. Mm-hmm. And Nora succeeds in shooting him, but what they don't know is that he came prepared and he loaded her gun with blanks because he had a feeling that this is what they were going to do and his revenge and this is like the the twisted love you know thing that i was thinking about is how much do you have to hate someone to to kill them right so how much do you have to hate you know passion hate right like a, a spouse to want to stab them or shoot them or you know whatever it might be well now imagine how much do you need to hate your spouse to throw them live into a vat of acid and watch them disintegrate? (laughs) You cannot get more twisted than that. And it's like, to me, the ultimate fuck you of, you know, like (laughs) of, you know, you broke my heart. You were in this, this was a game and I knew what was happening. And so not only does he throw her in there, um, but first, well, actually, let me let me rewind for a second yeah everybody believes that he's shot and so her 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 secret lover now goes down to the basement to find his body and is like gonna dispose of him and there's a scramble but they don't let you see what happens but you hear the noises and you know someone is in this vat of acid that's looming in the basement and so now you a few minutes later see annabelle coming down to see what happened investigating and it is also my favorite screaming moments ever in a horror movie if you i could i could hear that even like seconds worth of scream and know it's house on haunted hill like from her iconic screams in this um she walks into the basement and suddenly sees a skeleton and believes it's her husband's skeleton because it's talking to her and saying, you've got everything now, you even got my life, but you're not gonna get away with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you now, you know, come with me. And so the skeleton puts his hand on her shoulder and it's that if you ever look up an image of House on Haunted Hill, that is the image. <laughs> right. And uh, she gets so scared, she fumbles back into the vat of acid and he watches it happen. And then here walks out Vincent Price another widow you know another widow (laughs) moment another wife gone because he was he had the skeleton rigged up to a uh like a fishing wire and it was her lover's skeleton he used to scare her into a vat of acid and if that is not twisted love revenge I don't know personally I don't know what is
4: (laughs) I I love I love that like you, you don't know that I know that, you know, you know, like that yeah. thing is so cool. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a double cross on a double cross. Yeah. And like they're one upping each other secretly, but they always like one person's a step ahead. I love that. I love how different Chris's love story is compared to Tony's love story. (laughs) They could not be more opposite. I love that.
2: (laughs) I love you. I love you no matter what. Even if you turn into a horrible monster, I hate you so much. Here's a vat of acid. (laughs) We're we're batting a thousand right now. Yeah, right?
0: And you know what else is cool is that like these movies, they're from all different time periods too, right? Right. Yours is from the fifties, uh, Tony. And then Chris yep. is from the eighties. Uh, mine is going to be like a little bit more modern. Um, I'm going to talk about a movie that the, the tale is classic. You know, the classic tale of a vampire that falls in love with a woman and, you know, he wants her to be with oh, him. Oh,
4: Twilight. Twilight. God damn
0: it. <laughs> no. I teed that shit up. I was going to be like, 2008's Twilight. And- oh. hey, thanks, guys. I'm glad, glad we had you on the show. Thank you. That, that was my one, my one good contribution tonight. It's just fucked now. So um, so ahead. the movie I'm talking about is 1992's uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it's directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Now, to me, I, I picked this movie because the, the marketing and everything behind it is about love. Um, Gary Oldman just you feel his pain from the very first scene in the movie. You know, when we see him as Vlad the Impaler, his wife throws herself from the window and he comes home after fighting in the crusades, you know, he's just like raving like an animal. He's just so upset and he goes and he stabs that crucifix and he damns himself. And so that that there's that intense love right there. And so so Chris's example was kind of like loving for someone when they become a monster and and Tony's example is like you know having this twisted relationship where you know you you love someone, but then you also like hate them over time and 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 want them to die. In this example, it's an example of, you know, like love can make you into a monster. Dracula meets Mina, played by um, Winona Ryder. You know, he, he's this sort of despicable creature when he was still in Transylvania. but when he meets her, you know he's he's humbled and and he's trying to get her attention. And uh, just Gary Oldman just does this fantastic job of being this monster, but then also being this kind of humbled man who would do anything for his woman. So I just, for Gary Oldman's performance alone and for the amazing visuals, I, I just, I think that Dracula is a very romantic movie.
2: It's the first movie I've ever seen where there's like a full-on borderline sex scene between a, a woman and uh, Dracula basically in wolf form. it it is it it is just reaching for the fences but it it hits the mark a lot of the time especially with like the the seduction stuff and the romance aspects to it yeah it's
0: it's a crazy movie but it's great uh speaking of having sex with weird creatures
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay i chose the
0: shape of
4: water 2017 guillermo del toro um, talk about beautiful visuals, um, the story is super dark, like, um, beautiful fairy tale fantasy, as he usually does, so you follow, um, Eliza, she's a mute woman, not deaf, she's mute, and it's in the 60s, and she works in this secret government lab, and she, um, she's just a cleaner, simple life, you know, they um the lab acquires a humanoid fishman who always have my heart. I love humanoid fishmen, um you know akbar creature, you know, just to name a few and um they acquire him to do like testing, and she's curious about him and um Michael Shannon plays the villain Strickland who he's absolutely amazing. You will hate his guts. He's so good. Um he's basically torturing this creature. I don't know what he's trying to actually get out of him, but she sees that. She secretly sneaks into his little area. She gives him eggs. He can't speak either, so they quickly form a bond. She teaches him sign language. She plays music and it's very sweet and she sees how he's being treated and she's falling in love with him she has two friends and no romantic relationships so she smuggles him out with the help of two of her friends and a russian spy and she gets him out puts him in the bathtub fills it with salt whatever their relationship quickly turns um romantic and then sexual (laughs) <laughs> and um, it's very, um, it's not gross. I don't think it's gross. You don't see it, but she like kind of just minds how it happens. She's telling her friends about it. And it all comes to a head where um, Eliza is about to um, release him into the canal, um, which was the plan all along, but they have fallen in love. And um, just as they're about to do that, spoiler, Michael Shannon does come, shoots them both. She's left for dead. The creature heals himself and he picks her up and jumps into the water with him. You can look at the ending a couple different ways. They show the fantasy ending where he revives her underwater and she has this scar on her neck, three lines like this. And they turn to gills and they live happily ever after underwater um you can look at it as he just took her into the water and she's dead and that's it and he loved her and he just wanted her body with him um uh i just rewatched it and something hit me this time that i didn't realize this is only my second watch even though i absolutely loved the film when i saw it it said that she was found as a baby near a river with the three marks on her neck mute it's quickly said when Strickland is like kind of questioning um, her and her friend. So I read the theory that she could have been a part fish person her whole life, and that he just reinvigorated the gills where those three lines were, which I thought was super interesting as another alternate kind of ending. But, um, the, the movie is beautiful. There's like this beautiful um, sequence where she envisions them dancing in black and white and she has a voice and it's really sweet. The creature is, you know, he's jarring, but he's very sweet too. And her love for him is so apparent. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a really, really beautiful movie. It, it starts off, it's so, it's so fantastical. Like, I'm not comparing Guillermo del Toro and Tim Burton at all, but there's like the beginning, it just like, it feels Edward Scissorhands-y in a way where it's like, you know, like this, in the very, very beginning, the um like a chocolate factory is on fire and the guy is like oh it smells like fresh cocoa and there's like this cute little fire truck you know from the 60s and it, it just feels and then she sits next to this man she's waiting for a bus and he's holding like a birthday cake it's not even in a box he's just holding a birthday cake and like, <laughs> and it's just so like random but
3: I feel like he's really good at creating a universe where like when you step into one of his films you're like in there that's that um, feeling
4: this has nothing to do with the love but i know we like you guys like to talk about hand mutilations you know um michael (laughs) shannon
3: yeah
4: so his fingers get bit by the creature early on in the movie he loses a few fingers and he has his hand bandaged up throughout the whole movie and it's getting worse it's a great metaphor for how like his mind is is also deteriorating his hand is and he's like in like this weird cast and someone says, man, your hand like really smells and his fingers are turning black. And there's a scene where he wants to just prove how like, nothing's gonna stop me, nothing can hurt me. And he literally breaks his disgusting, decrepit fingers off and throws them on the floor. I had to look away, it's horrible.
2: This wouldn't be a a channel. Uh, I know, named, I know you. Named you after guys love Flanagan, it. if we didn't talk about hand mutilation at least <laughs> show. I remember seeing Shape of Water with uh, a friend, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Jody. It was like one of the. Did w- you? One, yeah, it was like one of the random movies that like we decided to just meet up at the theater and go see together. And I remember walking out of Shape of Water and just saying to her, that was the best picture of this year. I I don't even care what else comes out. And it won, right? And it freaking won. I know, I
4: was so happy. You know, the love
2: story, you know, you described it really well. I just want to give credit to like Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins. And Doug freaking Jones. Yeah. Doug freaking man. He's able to emote in a full fish costume. Like I thought he should have gotten a best actor nomination. Yeah. And you know, he's, he's probably the best actor of the last 30 years when it comes to doing in costume stuff. Like I know, mm-hmm. um, I forgot the name of the guy who plays Gollum, but like, he's like the motion uh-huh. capture. Guy. Yeah. He's the motion capture guy. Doug Jones is the guy in the suit.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And he brings this character to life to the point where, yeah, you're watching a full-on woman and fish man sex scene. And for a few minutes, you kind of forget you're watching that and you're just like, it's oh, true. they love each other. right? And you're like, this is really fucking
0: weird. But they <laughs> love each other. Tony, I'm surprised that you didn't see it. You know, like, um, my, you know my mom, right? I do know your mom. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, she's all about it because it involves sign language. And I just had to do a little shout out to my mom because she actually, she watches all our Lastercast videos and she
4: like- uh, she goes, really she watches, <laughs>
0: Yeah, she, she goes and like, watches these super disturbing horror movies that we talk about, you yeah. know, but uh, yeah, she was all into Shape of Water and she saw it when it was here. But if I was gonna send a greeting card to my mom, I think I might get it from Ghost Girl Greetings.
2: Ah oh. <laughs> So
0: you ladies- and is the okay. master. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys think it's okay if we go into a commercial where you guys could tell us what people can get for Valentine's Day from your-
3: Only if we can do it like, you know, in Wayne's World's Noah's Arcade style, you know. <laughs> Come oh nice. bust the okay. move where the games are played. It's cheap. Okay, I'll stop.
4: We had a song, <laughs> Tony. there <damn. laughs> Valentine's Day. Um, we decided to add a lot of new products and experimented with some things that we wanted to do besides Valentine's Day cards, which we did a um, like a mini card set, five cards, and. Um, that's something that we definitely want to continue because it's super cute and it did really. We know this was like a little test run, and Valentine's Day is perfect for that kind of thing. Um We have chapstick now, which also Thank did you. really well, and that we're definitely continuing. We're going to keep carrying the chapstick that we have now, and we're going to. Have you seen our our, our chapstick? chapstick?
0: I actually have. Yes. yes. Have
4: you? Yeah. <laughs> when when Tony came when she came up with the for your ch chap lips. I love it when like she comes up with something and the moment I like freak out. I'm like that's it. That's it. It's so uh-huh.
3: funny. We we have a we have a really good one coming. Yeah, we have I a can't couple spill of
4: like, the beans.
0: Oh, okay. I can't
3: spill the fava beans. <laughs> but oh,
0: intense. <laughs> um
4: we we did a box set which was something that we always wanted to do. Um It has, uh, you know, a few different things. We worked with someone to get a candle in there. And then we have a bath bomb, the chapstick pins and all that kind of stuff. And that's something we definitely want to continue with, you know, birthday ones and generic, you know, thinking of you type of ones. Um, We had some Valentine's Day wrapping paper um, with Jeff Goldblum on it. (laughs) <laughs> Tony's support. dead Tony's dad's
0: in it yeah, Tony's dad's <laughs> yeah he is yep.
4: yeah and um, I'm sure I'm forgetting things Oh, we had a sticker sticker set you know stuff yeah like that. I mean
3: we've, we've really taken the time I think this year to like get super creative with our products which has been fun because in the beginning we were like card 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 you know and, and that was kind of like our one focus but we started to want to make other things. And we get, we have these little brainstorming sessions where we can just be totally silly together and try to think about, you know, what, what's next? What do you wish that, you know, we could come out with and let's just make it happen. And I think as far as new products go, we can't spill the beans on stuff that's coming because we, we want it to be a surprise, but I would say that we're really excited about the stuff that we're making this year like we have a lot a lot of stuff planned and stuff that is not expected i, I yeah. think right like think would you say so, that yeah,
4: yeah we're yeah. definitely we're definitely expanding and um yeah we started talking about valentine's day stuff so in advance which it was like november i think <laughs> Yeah, was needed you know when you go into target and they're already selling bathing suits you know you gotta be ahead of the yeah. curve here yeah.
0: Yeah, you yeah. know, um just some of the people I know personally, after they watched our episode, they were like, oh, we gotta get some of that stuff. Like my my wife got some stuff from your site. I think my uh-huh. mom got some stuff from your site too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I'm get a chapstick for my kid, because you know, I need to get her something for Valentine's Day too.
4: Oh yeah, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah, we still have some things. Um, some wrapping paper still left and
3: we well, have a okay. few Valentine's Day sets left, like the we have gift boxes, and we have a few, like just a few mini card sets left. If you need to give to a few people, you know, and they're sweet enough to
4: give to your mom, or spooky enough to give to yeah. You, you and know, we your we friends.
1: <laughs> we generally
4: carry um just love cards all the time. You know, not specifically Valentine's Day, just you know that's one of our big sellers. So we're always coming up with new, you know, it doesn't have to be straight up Valentine's day. So we always have that going. So
3: you can, I think you can expect by the end of 2021 that where we, you had first met us as a greeting card company, I think will really be a gift company, like a one, a one-stop shopping kind of gift gifting, you know, kind of, kind of thing is, is what we want to me- make, you know, we have a lot of ideas for it. So hopefully we can
0: Pull that off that is awesome (laughs) Awesome. yeah it's it's really cool to like know people that like they had a dream and they like stuck to it and they followed it and it's like just grown and grown so guys probably your next movie that you want to put on your wish list is going to be danny's movie which we all know this well-known horror romance it's iconic uh what what the fuck is it called again like (laughs) unmasked it is
4: called unmasked part 25 Okay. I was telling I was telling James what we were doing. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck, Danny. Did.
2: <laughs> so let's put it this way. This, for our friend James, if he's listening, this is a movie that like I could have totally seen way deep in the box back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, our friend James used to bring a box of DVDs to whosoever house we were going to that night. And we would like randomly pick DVDs to watch. I remembered this movie from the box uh, at, the, at Flo's video, which used to be on Nostrand Avenue in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it got put out of business by the blockbuster that opened across the street from it. But I'll forever love Flo's because it had this amazing horror aisle. And I remember seeing Unmasked Part 25 as a kid and thinking this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's an obvious Jason ripoff. The guy's wearing a, a hockey mask for
4: crying out loud. Oh my God, I and thought it actually co- had to do with Friday the 13th. That's what it looks like. Oh my God, that's so funny. It
2: is essentially a horror comedy that, is, that came out, I believe, in like 1988 or 89, 88. And it basically was a meta spoof before those types of movies existed. And I found it on Tubi which is a free streaming ser- service. So if you have Tubi, uh, the only problem is you got to watch a few commercials, but it's worth it because they have one of the best horror selections going. Uh, it feels like they like have all the deep cuts from the video store that you'll remember. Mm-hmm. So basically what this movie is, is it starts off and it's just a Friday the 13th ripoff. Group of um, British... Uh, 20-somethings are at a party, there's a lot of sex going on, and a, mess, a, a hockey mess killer shows up and is killing them in some of the most gory and disgusting ways. Like, if you just want to watch this as a gory horror movie, you'll get that. I wrote down the first death, a guy gets his face ripped in half and then his heart pulled out. So this movie's not packing any punches in the gore department. But where it changes is when... And I'm not making this up. The killer's name is Jackson, not Jason. Jackson kills everyone at a party and then goes to kill the last girl there, but she's blind. So she thinks that he is her blind date to the party, doesn't realize that he's a blood-soaked mass killer who just killed all of her friends, and she takes him home, and they get into a very loving and hilariously sexual relationship over the next hour of the movie you sold me it is uh, it is jason it's friday the 13th but if it were jason having an existential crisis there are scenes in the movie where after they've had sex he stands up and they have like serious conversations about why, why he, you know, can't deal with society because of the way he looks. You see him without his mask uh, and he's horribly disfigured. So he can't go outside and he, he always has to wear the mask. And she's talking about how she struggles with her disability. And then there's like, All these conversations about sex and and how awkward it can be, which leads to an amazingly prolonged dominatrix sequence, Eat Your Heart Out, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. At one point, Jackson is seen wearing red boxer shorts with the word bad boy written on them. Um, There's also a scene with a blow-up doll, which the woman refers to as Juliet. Uh, it's. I love Juliet there, there's so much there's so much of this movie that you're just watching it with your mouth open like your jaw hanging open because you can't believe what you're actually watching like you're saying to yourself this can't be real like this can't be an actual movie but it is and it's fucking great Um, and the best part is they they're like a genuine couple they go shopping together they go to a she takes him to a Halloween store so that she can buy a mask so that they can go outside together with masks on and then they go to the park and sit by the pond. And I'm just like,
4: Oh. Does she this, know that that he killed everyone? That he's a killer? Does she know she that or no? It, she doesn't, but it's hinted that
2: like, she says things like, I wouldn't care if you were a mass murderer. And she's <laughs> like, and she's like and he says to her, like, what do you mean? Why? What have you heard?
4: <laughs> oh, my God. I need to see this movie. Wow.
2: I, I went out and I bought the, uh, the Blu-ray DVD combo from Vinegar Syndrome uh, for like 25 bucks. And it has director and writer commentary. And it's one of the few movies that I actually will watch with the commentary because I need to hear from these people what the hell they were thinking when they made this amazing movie. <laughs> that i remember seeing the box for when i was like seven or eight years old and i didn't see until last year thanks to sitting in my house in quarantine scrolling through all my streaming services but yeah it is one of the craziest love stories
0: you'll ever see so you guys had some really awesome picks and i really like that it was all different types of relationships there wasn't any repetition whatsoever it's always great to have you guys on the show Um, in the description, we'll have a link to your site. So people can go check out your merch and, um, you know, just maybe they can get it in time for Valentine's day, but, uh, maybe we can have you guys sometime later in 2021 too.
4: I, I love doing this. I I, I, just, I will be there. I love it. It's so fun.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, until then you guys have a good night.
4: You too. (laughs)